Successful people learn how to make their mind work for them. I'm David Nagel, and this is the Successful Mind Podcast. Consistent in all of my goals. This needs to be, as I've said, a constant, uh, not only a belief, but it needs to be ingrained in your character. Um, you will never accomplish anything that goes beyond ease, right? Which means if it requires some difficulty, some effort, you're never going to acquire it without persistence. And I know very, very well how much all of you just want to get there. <laughs> you know, I, I, I remember being in that place where it was like, when is it going to happen? Or when am I going to get there? Um, I, remember, I remember sitting in a seminar that Proctor was doing on goals. This is back, probably back around uh, 96, 97. And he said something that, not only did I, like, it, I, it caused me to, to have a question in my mind, but it also caused a lot of questions in the audience. And I'm going to, this is, I, I, this is fascinating. So he's, he's teaching this, he's teaching this thing on, on setting goals uh, and um, uh, uh, manifesting goals. And he said, if you set a goal and you have a definite time for the achievement, you know, time and date for the achievement of the goal, if you don't hit the goal, you don't change the goal, you change the time. Rarely do we guess accurately the first time uh, as to what, how long it's going to take to achieve the goal. Now, here's the question that came up for almost the entire room. People were raising their hand like crazy. And they said, when do I give up? Like, when do I just give up? When do I stop? And it was, it was fascinating because in, in a lot of ways, that was still going on in my mind a little bit. Like, okay, well, if I didn't hit this thing, when do I give up? So before he answered it, he asked another question. And he said, why would you ask that question? What's behind that question? And then you hear all the different beliefs that people had that they were raised with or that they heard. One of the most common was, was, well, if I'm not hitting it, maybe God just doesn't want me to have it. And there were, and there were various different versions of that. Like maybe I, maybe I'm picking the wrong thing. Maybe this isn't for me. Maybe I can't really do it. Um, maybe I'm wasting my time. Maybe I'm supposed to do something else. And, it would, I thought it was, it was really interesting. I didn't really understand in that moment how aware I was becoming of uh, my own kind of impregnated mind with mediocrity. But that's really what amateurs think. That's really what people that are playing life like a, like a lottery game think they want to jump off at the first sign of it not showing up and do something else. Like there's this, there's this impatience that they're never going to get there and there might be an easier way or there might be a better way or, or whatever. And they 
almost and very rarely do they ever accomplish anything of any significance. Um, not hitting the goal, it, you know, whether you're not hitting it at all or you're not hitting it within the time frame, creates tremendous anxiety for people when they first start down this road, especially if they have been doing things in an unorganized way for a period of time. Like when, when I was first starting to become conscious of in, you know, really trying to do something with intention and actually changing my character as to line it up with principles that allow you to succeed, you go through a lot of starts and stops and reboots and failures and, you know, trying to, to correct your, your own behavior. And, and that is, that is like, uh, in very indicative of, I don't have any specialized knowledge to do this. I'm trying to do this with the knowledge that I currently have just an idea or a dream or something that I want or, or whatever. But just as any, any significant goal, it, you know, like it's required, like uh, he'll put it in Think and Grow Rich. He's like, one of, the, one of the most important things is that you have specifically directed specialized knowledge that will allow you to accomplish whatever you're accomplishing if you're going to bring riches into your life. Well, it's not only that's not a rule for, for riches alone, only, it's a rule for every goal that you hit. You have to have some system that you're going to work and perfect in order to reach that goal. Otherwise, you're, you're guessing, you're, you know, it's the uninformed mind. And I think so many people start off before they know that and they have a lot of failures. And what that does is it, it starts to reinforce any low self-esteem that you may have carried into the original setting of the goal to begin with. When your self-esteem is low, when your belief in yourself is low, when your lack of worth in yourself is low, um, I think it exacerbates that anxiety factor that causes us to want to switch or look for an easier way. What the worst thing that we can do is to look for an easier way. It is the worst thing that we can do because what we're, what we're really saying, if we're looking for an easier way is that I don't have what it takes to do it this way. Now, if you're coming from spiritual law, you have to understand that the universe always sends you the direct equivalent of what you need in order to be able to grow, to become aware of what you need to learn, who you need to be. I've been realizing it's important to question what I mean by easier. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, I think once you become very proficient at goal setting, at reaching goals, and you know that from a character perspective, you have everything in line, and you're building something, if you then want to start looking at making things easier from the, the, the perspective of quality of life or scaling a business or whatever you're doing, I think that's perfectly fine, but not easy as an escape from what it takes to do it. So that's, a, that's, really, that's really some uh, significance to think about. So what I want to do today is I want to go through 
the chapter on persistence, and I really want to emphasize what he's talking about here in order to you know, refresh and bring that up in, in your mind and really, really think about what Hill is saying. And then you have to remember this also. Napoleon Hill interviewed 500 of the world's most successful individuals to ascertain this information. These are, this, these are principles that every one of those 500 people agreed with in order to be uber successful in whatever you're doing. So it's chapter nine in Think and Grow Rich, Persistence. Um, in my copy, it's page 217. He says, persistence is an essential factor in the procedure of transmuting desire into a monetary equivalent. The basis of persistence is the power of will. So he's talking about desire. He's talking about the transmutation of energy. Uh, and he's talking about the will, which takes your desire and focuses it. It harnesses it in a specific way, in a specific direction. Willpower and desire, when properly combined, make an irresistible pair. People who accumulate great fortunes are generally known as cold-blooded and sometimes ruthless. Often they are misunderstood. What they have is willpower, which they mix with persistence and place back of their desires to ensure and the attainment of their objectives. Now, the cold-blooded thing or the heartless or the ruthless or whatever that we've all heard about is simply a person who's completely focused on what they're doing and they just don't have time for nonsense. They don't have time for drama. They don't handle problems the way most people do where problems uh, you know, engulf their life and every little drama, you're, you're losing your focus on what you're doing and you gotta take care of the drama and how am I gonna take care of this? What about this and what about that? They, they're not concerned with that at all. They're extremely focused and they're able to handle everything from a point of responsibility, like personal responsibility and making sure that it's done in a responsible factor in, in, in some way. Like I'm responsible, yeah, the, the cat blew up this morning, you know? So I have a responsibility to take care of the cat. I will make sure that gets done. Doesn't necessarily mean that it's gonna take my whole day or that it's something that I have to do, but it'll get done. And then you don't ever hear anything about it again. So it's not that the things are not taken care of. We all have crap that goes on in our life that has to be taken care of every day. But if we, if, if we allow those things to take our mind off of the focus of what we're doing, we'll never get anything done. Henry Ford has been generally misunderstood to be ruthless and cold-blooded. This misconception grew out of Ford's habit of following through in all of his plans with persistence. The majority of people are ready to throw their aims and purpose overboard and give up at the first sign of opposition or misfortune. So that's where that idea comes from. Like, well, when do I quit? When do I quit? And what we should be asking ourselves is, what am I trading my life for? If I, if I have a goal, if I say that I want something, no matter how many times I don't hit the goal, if I say, well, when do I just quit? What are you trading your life for? 
Failure? What, what else are you gonna do? Settle? Most likely, most likely that's exactly what it'll be. It'll be settling and tolerating something in your life that is unworthy of God and that is unworthy of you. Our mind is so amazing that it has this incredible ability to come in, hijack the dream, hijack the process, and get you to agree with the rationalization of failure. And in many ways, you'll do it in a way where it's like some heroic thing, you know? I decided to do something different. I'm not going to follow through. You know, and then, and we look for that verification to make us feel okay about a decision to quit. That should never, ever be considered in your mind whatsoever. It should be, okay, I didn't hit a time. I need to double down. I need to really be honest with myself about what I did or didn't do. Where do I need to grow in this process? You work on fixing that, and then you get you you get back on again. He says there may be no heroic connotation of the word persistence, but the quality is to the character of man what carbon is to steel. The building of a fortune generally involves the application of the entire thirteen factors of this philosophy. These principle must, principles must be understood. They must be applied with persistence by all who accumulate money, and that's. Thing grow rich was about money, but it, that's about everything that we want to achieve in our life. Um, he says the starting point of all achievement is desire. The starting point of all achievement is desire. This um, keep this constantly in mind. Weak desires bring weak results, just as a small amount of fire makes a small amount of heat. If you find yourself lacking in persistence, this weakness may be remedied by building a stronger fire under your desire. Like I've said many times, you have to want the thing that you want more than the ease, the comfort, the mediocrity of, of what you don't want. The difficulty in getting there. You have to want what you want more than all of that. Any of the patterns, any of the problems. He says, continue to read this chapter, then go back to chapter 2 and start immediately to carry out the instructions given in connection with the six steps. So let me just jump over to chapter 2 real quick. One of the six steps. If you're lacking, if you find your, yourself lacking in persistence, this weakness may be remedied by building a stronger fire under your desires. So how do we do that? We do that with the six steps. So we go to chapter 2, first step. Fixing your mind the exact amount of money that you desire. It is not sufficient merely to say, I want plenty of money. Be definite as to the amount. There's a psychological reason for definiteness, which will be described in subsequent chapters. The reason is, is, is clarity. Clarity and meaning. That's what it is. It's not complicated. Clarity and meaning. You have, there has to be a reason that you want it, and it can't be fear of not having any. That's why most people will pick a large number without having any basis behind it, because it's like, I just want to, have to I don't want to have to worry about money. 
the money has to resemble something in your life that you that you seriously want. Number two, determine exactly what you intend to give for the return of the money that you desire. There's no such reality as something for nothing. Right? What are you going to do? That's your business. What is the exchange? Product or service. Third, establish a definite date when you intend to possess the money that you desire. That tells your, your subconscious mind that you're serious. It tells the universe that you're serious. And it locks you into, okay, here's the start time. Here's what I need to be doing, have. Let's get going. Fourth, create a definite plan for carrying out your desire and begin at once, um, whether you're ready or not, to put this plan into action. Fifth, write out a clear, concise statement in the amount of money that you intend to acquire, name the time limit for its acquisition, state what you intend to give in return for the money, and describe clearly the plan through which you intend to accumulate it. And number six, read your written statement aloud twice daily, once just before retiring at night, once after arising in the morning. As you read, see, and feel, and believe yourself already in possession of the money. Which is exactly what we're doing. That's why you're doing the self-hypnosis every day. Now, why did he give this six steps? These are the six steps for you to increase your desire. To increase it. You're focusing on it. It's clear in your mind. It's not vague and foggy. It's clear. You're focusing on it. You're seeing yourself with the thing that you desire. It's a, it becomes a magnificent obsession. I love those two words together. Magnificent obsession. The things that you want in your life should be a magnificent obsession. Okay? Um. He says, it is important that you follow the instructions described in these six steps. It is especially important that you observe and follow the instruction uh, in the sixth paragraph. He says, you may complain that it's impossible for you to see yourself in possession of money before you actually have it. Here's where a burning desire will come to your aid. If you truly desire money so keenly that your desire is an obsession, you will have no difficulty in convincing yourself that you will acquire it. The object is to want money and become so determined to have it that you will convince yourself that you'll have it. When he's talking about convincing yourself, he's talking about creating a belief. But it never comes by wishes and wants and, and half-hearted desires. You have to be all in and you can't, you cannot step out. If you step out, it's over. It's over. Because now your mind is focused on something else. There's another reason. There's another whatever. You're making excuses. You're creating stories. You're living in the past. <clears throat> you're listening to somebody else. You have to stay the path. It's absolutely certain that you will get what you want if you stay the path and you continue to grow and adjust on that path. It is absolutely certain that you will not get what you want if you keep getting off of the path, if you do not master persistence. <clears throat> okay. All right. Let's see here. Fortunes gravitate. Oh, wait a minute. The eagerness with which you follow these instructions will indicate clearly 
how much or how little you really desire to accumulate money. If you find that you're indifferent, you may be sure that you have not yet acquired the money consciousness which you must possess before you can be sure to accumulate a fortune. So again, yes, he's talking about money, but this is the same thing for any goal. You have to develop the consciousness that has to be a burning desire. He says, fortunes gravitate to people whose minds have been prepared to attract them, just as surely as water gravitates to the ocean. Um, he says, if you find that you're weak in persistence, center your attention upon the instructions contained in the chapter on power. Surround yourself with a mastermind group. Environment's everything, folks. It's everything. But once you leave and you go about your day, if you're not controlling that environment to keep it of the equivalent, you know, it's either, it's either helping you get where you want to go or it's detracting from where you want to go. Toxic relationships out, naysayers out, people that don't support you out. Negative, constant negative information from the news, the media out. This is your life. If you're not controlling it, someone else is. Someone else is. Remember, everybody that you're around wants something from you. Money, time, attention, sex, favors, whatever. Everybody wants something from you. And the world that we live in is set up to manipulate you to get it. You should really get into those, as part of your study, really get into those books that I recommended in the Facebook group on persuasion, the power of persuasion. It's, it's, it, when you start to, here, here's something, so let me tell you how strong this is. I don't care how many books that you read that tell you how people are persuaded or how you can persuade somebody else, you can understand it completely in your mind. You're powerless against it once it's happening. You have to be really conscious. Otherwise, the, the, the moment you're starting to be persuaded, the reason that you're powerless is you shut off the inductive reasoning factor in your mind. And the message goes right into your subconscious mind. And it plays off of fear. It plays off of wants. It plays off of insecurities. And you're not thinking in that moment. But the moment that it goes into your subconscious mind, if you don't become conscious of what's happening to stop it, you will start taking action on whatever it is. Action is... I'm thinking about it, I'm talking about it, I'm feeling about it, and then eventually I'm behaving in some way pertaining to what I was persuaded in. We have to be very aware of it. Otherwise, it detracts us from where we're going. Okay, he says, your subconscious mind works continuously while you're awake and while you're asleep. It's always going. Spasmodic or occasional effort to apply the rules will be of no value to you. To get results, you must apply all of the rules until their applications become 
a fixed habit uh, with you. In no other way can you develop the necessary money consciousness. In no other way. No other way. And you have to be very careful that you don't go off the rails and go too spiritual on this either. Because the, the, big, the big error in the way most religion and spirituality is taught is that, is that it's a separate thing. It's not a separate thing. Everything is spiritual. Everything, even the things that you, that, you, that you label or judge in your mind as good or bad, everything is spiritual. Every place on the planet is spiritual. Every place in the universe is spiritual. There is no separation. None. But if you go the way it's taught, it's almost like, oh, I have to go over to the good side. There's nothing going to happen just because you hold a great idea in your mind or a spiritual idea or a peaceful idea or you know, you're, you're working on raising your vibration. If you're not working based on the law of cause and effect, I mean, it doesn't matter how spiritual you think you are. It doesn't matter. Look at, look at something that's very true, right? When it comes, especially when it comes to money, there are good people that make a lot of money and there are some of the nastiest evil people on the planet that make a lot of money. Money doesn't care how spiritual you are. Money is brought into your life by cause and effect, as are all goals by cause and effect. You cannot shortcut that process. You can't. Now, there's ways to make it easier. The internet is a way to make it easier. Technology makes it easier. But developing the skills that are required in order for you to work with cause and effect are extremely important. You know, those are basic sales skills, organizational skills, the ability to have a conversation, the ability to direct a conversation, to create the plans that are necessary to bring the people to you so that you can have the sales conversation with. The ability to ask for money, the ability to receive, all of that stuff is 100% true, but it's all, everything that I just mentioned is all based in cause and effect. You have to be the cause of the effect that you desire, and you have to be persistent in it consistently, because it's, it's one thing after you've mastered your belief in this, where you don't have to, you're not fighting yourself every day to get yourself to do the work to, re, to reach the goal. You've, you've ingrained that character in, into your system and you just do it every single day. It's one thing when you get to that place, right? And then you can improve upon all of these other things without taking time off to work on the first basic characteristics. But if you're constantly breaking your focus to go try to do those things now, you just make a mess of the whole thing. Because underlying all of it is persistence. It's all cause and effect. He says, poverty is attracted to the one whose mind is favorable to it, as money is attracted to him whose mind has been deliberately prepared to attract it. And he keeps using this word prepared. What does that tell you? It's not magic. 
It's somebody who diligently went in and said, I need to develop my mind and my emotions and my thinking and my, and my words and my actions in order to be the cause of the, of the, the, the money that I want. Yes, it's crafted. It's 100% crafted. It is a learned skill. It is a learned skill. Learning how your mind works and how to get it to work with you in the direction that you want to go, that is a skill. That is a skill. Understanding and learning how the spiritual laws work, that is a skill. It is a skill. There is no magic to any of it. It's all cause and effect. Everything in this universe operates by cause and effect. Fear is mostly a superstition. There is a, there is a place for fear in that it can keep you alive, uh, but it's really a prehistoric element in our mind. And, you know, like I said, there's not a tiger in the bush that's waiting to, to jump at you. So you have to really consider the only two fears that we're born with is falling and loud noises. And basically those are startle responses. Every other fear is learned. When fear is controlling you, when uncertainty is controlling you, when low self-esteem is controlling you, you have to have the consciousness to come in and say, okay, good enough. Those things have been controlling me, but I'm conscious enough to know that I'm not going to listen to the voice. I'm not going to listen to their voice. You can't generally stop that voice in the moment, but you don't have to listen to it. You can turn and face the direction that you need to go. And the voice is yapping in the back. I was a little bit tired yesterday morning. And I was thinking to myself, like my mind went to this place like, oh, I'm so glad the weekend is here. And I had to stop myself because that's where it starts. If I let that in my mind, I'm already setting up a causation. Like that little thing is not that bad. But if I let it go, it'll become really bad. Because then you get to like, oh, fuck, right? When is this fucking week going to be over? Jesus, like this is, I'm exhausted. I'm tired. Like it goes, it just builds upon itself. You can't permit that stuff to get in your mind at all. So what did I switch it to? I was like, I get to do this. I get to do this. This is the life that I created for myself. I am not going to go down that road. Now, that didn't mean that I still wasn't a little tired, but I also knew that I had scheduled time off, you know, but it does, you know, you have to catch these little things when they come into your mind, because if you don't, they, those, they create those damn little seeds and they can go on forever. He says, poverty consciousness will voluntarily seize the mind which is not occupied with the money consciousness. A poverty consciousness develops without conscious application of habits that are favorable to it. The money consciousness must be created uh, to order unless one is born with such a consciousness. And I'll tell you this, the circumstances have to be really exact. You're not born with it, but you're born into it. And, and listen, it, it does. You know, you can have parents that are billionaires if they don't raise you with the right consciousness based on cause and effect. Uh, you will not have the same characteristics that those parents had to earn that money. It doesn't. You know, just being born in a lot of wealth does not give you the characteristics to manifest it. So don't really think to yourself about people that are 
born into a different environment that they're better off than you. You were born in the exact environment that you need to be the most amazing person on purpose in your life that, that you could ever possibly be. So be grateful for all of it. Thanks for listening to the Successful Mind Podcast. And if you like what you heard and you want to know more, go to davidnagel.com forward slash free stuff.